Welcome to the first ever Politics Guy Supporters uh, exclusive after show where at least after hours, after, after hours, exactly. Well, you know, our, our plan here is to talk about, well, really anything, but, you know, stuff, stories that we did couldn't quite fit into our regular weekly, you know, weekend analysis show or other, you know, semi non-political thoughts or just, I guess generally we can just opine on really whatever, whatever comes to mind and we'll, we'll try and see how it goes, see what people like, but it's really just our way of giving a little something extra, a little thank you to our, to our supporters, to you guys. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And of course, in the past, you know, we've tried things like that. I think it's fair to say we were way too ambitious in, in doing that, given our schedules. But this is the kind of fun little thing I think we'll be able to do on, on a regular basis. And, you know, we hope you like it. So you ready to get started, Jay? I'm ready. What do you got? Well, first thing, I think I mentioned in, in the show a couple of weeks ago that I, I'm a big fan of H.L. Mencken, the early 20th century uh, journalist who uh, has a lot of pretty rough things to say about democracy and so forth. Yeah, and as am I a, a fan of Mencken. He goes, well, I'm reading this biography of him. Uh, and uh, Mencken was the editor, I guess editor uh, of a uh, not a journal, a magazine called The Smart Set, which was like a big deal in in a time, uh, in, in its time, the early 20th century again. And I was reading about them, Mencken and his co-editor, getting started with The Smart Set. And they had a slogan for their first issue. And this was way back in 1914. I, I loved it. And I just wanted to share it with you and listeners. I, it might be relevant to what we do. I don't know. But their slogan for their first issue was, one civilized reader is worth a thousand blockheads. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that, don't you? Yes. And I'd like to think that, you know, we have a lot of civilized listeners. I, you know, I listen to some, there are some pretty and big podcasts. Yeah. Well, there are some podcasts that have tens of thousands of, of blockheads, things I've tried to listen to. And I've been like, really? Who listens to this? And I think, well, ah, the blockheads. So now, of course, the smart set ended up going out of business. And so maybe that wasn't a great business model exactly. Because exactly <laughs> but, but anyway, I thought about that. I immediately thought about our listeners because the quality of the debate that we have and the quality, you know, on the Facebook group and that and the quality of the questions and, and comments that we get are just I think so much better than a lot of other podcasts that have, you know, six and seven figure kind of listeners. And it just made me think about the listeners I wanted to share that. So there you go. Okay. Uh, and no, I think just, again, cause this is, this is our, our goofy freewheeling um, after hour show. Uh, the, the uh, Mencken, if you, there's, there's just a wonderful sort of, um, I don't know if it's a wonderful, but um, uh condescension about him but there's yeah. sort of, i mean again he he sort of looked at, at the world as like look i'm i'm brilliant and the rest of you are just a bunch of idiots exactly. um and uh, uh but but sometimes that's that's okay yeah i think it really it really appealed to me as a younger person, when I thought that was exactly a description of how I saw the world, certainly. Well, exactly, like, yes. Yeah, you were really, you know, and then you're surrounded by these morons. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, totally unrelated, is uh, uh, Oliver North, a uh, blast from our respective pasts, right? Yeah. Big man in the 80s there. He was recently named the NRA president. I kind of wanted to get your uh, your take on that. I think it's a terrible decision. Yeah? Why is um, that? Terrible. I mean, I think the the NRA was had had been moving uh, away from this sort of you know the it's like you know angry angry old white guy. Like Charles uh, Heston with a gun. was yeah the president for a while. Um, but I like Charlton Heston. But talk um, about he could do angry really well. 
Very good. But, you know, again, it's, um, there, there is, again, I, but I see what you're saying. You mean, you mean, cause he's like, cause Oliver North is so very polarizing, basically. Oh, Oliver North is, is polarizing and seen as very partisan, uh, has, has been on, um, uh, you know, he's had his own show on, uh, Fox, I think, and, and other places. And, um, you know, was also, I mean, uh, you know, essentially lied to Congress. Convict? How was he? Was he convicted? Gosh, no. I'm trying to think back. You know, he lied to Congress. I thought he was. Actually, it's been a while. But I, I think it was. Um, no, man. See, this is what happens when you just try to do a, a show. Kind oh, of that's fine. Don't, don't, don't look stuff up. Um, but no, my, my, Charlton Heston, though, I think still had a, had a broad appeal uh, to folks. Um, and there was a wonderful line towards the end of the Planet of the Apes where. Um, uh, he's carrying the not rifle. The and, uh, We're talking about the original. The yeah. No, the original Planet of the Apes, where uh, uh, they're going into the Forbidden Zone, and uh, Charlton Heston uh, grabs a rifle, and Doctor Zayas says, "You won't need that where you're going." And uh, Charlton Heston says, "Let me be the judge of that." Yeah, there you go. That's but, that. That in and of itself is enough reason to to love Charlton Heston. But no, the the Oliver North thing I think is is a bad pick because it just sort of. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. I think, wouldn't it have been amazing if the NRA had, had named somebody like a like a, a 30-something African-American female? It would have blown people's yes. minds, man. That yes. would have been the and, message that gun rights are for everyone. This isn't an old white guy conservative issue. So I think you're right. right. It's a huge wasted opportunity. And the NRA ha- has, for the past couple of years, been sort of moving in that direction. You know, there was the the I am the NRA um, campaign. Right. I remember that. If you saw any of those commercials, which which were geared to her. it was it was, you know, here's here's a you know young woman who carries a gun for self defense. Here's a you know young African American man who's in a tough neighborhood who carries. You know, it was it was it was a much a broadening of the base um, and a focusing on the self defense aspect. Uh, as opposed to the, uh, look, we're going to need all this stuff just in case we have to fight the government uh, type aspect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another thing I I wanted to ask you about, get your, well, uh, get your thoughts on, you might have, this kind of slipped under the radar a little bit, and I would have loved to talk about it in the in our regular show. Uh, You're familiar, of course, with the tradition of, of blue slips. Yes, that's that. Just for listeners, that's that idea that when the president nominates someone to be a federal judge, and this isn't Supreme Court, it's for federal judge in either a district or a circuit court, that the two senators in in that state where that where that person is is from get essentially uh, kind of a de facto veto on that, and if they don't return what are called their blue slips, basically signaling their support. The Judiciary Committee just doesn't hear, doesn't hold a hearing, and so that person never gets confirmed. And this has been a tradition for a long, long time. But this right. week, well, actually, we should emphasize it. It is, it's a tradition. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. it's not a law. It's not a administrative rule. It's certainly not anything in the Constitution. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things I met, I posted earlier in the week on Facebook about that, I said, you know, it's great that we still have this one tradition that actually sort of pushes in the direction of bipartisanship and compromise and working with other people and so forth. And I, I felt kind of a little, a little pint of optimism there. And then what happened a few days later, uh, Amy, Klo, uh, Amy Klobuchar, sorry, for, uh, who's the Senator from, uh, 
Uh, was it Wisconsin? I think it's Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, she did not return her blue slip for a nominee that President Trump made for the Eighth Circuit Court. But uh, the Congress, sorry, the the Republicans right. in the Senate went ahead and confirmed that judge anyway. And that's the first time that the the Congress that the Senate sorry has ignored a blue slip in I think close to. 30 years. And I was just, I was just really disheartened by that because I, I think that that is one of those good Senate traditions. And the Senate, you know, in a lot of ways is set up to force more compromise and to make things harder to do without that compromise. And I think that's such a positive thing. And so that really, that really disappointed me. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jay? Well, I, you know, I think the, the blue slip thing, if you also have to look though, the way it was traditionally used, and I think intended to be used, it comes sort of from a different, a different age. Um, certainly not the age of Trump. Um, uh, certainly an age when the judiciary was less politicized. Uh, and and the the idea was, if if the governments, uh, the, the federal government's getting ready to uh, appoint someone. And you've got a senator who says, "Hey, wait a minute! Look, I've, I've, uh, I know this guy. I've lived in the same state with this guy. You don't want this guy being a judge." Um, they would, they would step in, and it was, it was an, a matter of sort of, it was a, uh, the reasons you would, you would refuse to return a blue slip would be things like, uh, you know, personal ethics issues, um, uh, general, just really unfitness for the bench uh, type issues. It wasn't just a. Here is someone I oppose on, on uh, ideological grounds. Uh, now, there there can be an argument made that some of the, the folks that uh, Trump has appointed uh, might not be fit. Um, uh, right. But I, I think the, the concern is that this has become more of an ideological holdup uh, and, and a, a political fight rather than the uh, what it what it used to be, which was just sort of a, a safeguard uh, as to someone who may have more insight into the character of of that uh, that nominee. Yeah, no, I think that's a that that's a fair point. Yeah, maybe I guess you're, you're right. It works both ways because we've seen, I think, a lot more polarization in terms of uh, the sort of nominees we get. In the first place, but again, that does that doesn't surprise me at all because, of course, that's just the the judicial nominees we get are going to be a function of of the presidents we get, and, and the more polarized the society is, the more polarized the nominees you're going to get, and we've seen that. I would argue but, since really the late '80s, essentially. But uh, there's also, though, I, I think an, I, uh, uh, a thing going on where it almost doesn't matter, right? I mean, you can have. Um, there are right now plenty of, of nominees that are sort of still sitting around waiting to be confirmed, who I don't think are particularly polarizing. Um, their only problem is they're being nominated by President Trump. Um, and I, I I think that's that's no, I, I, I agree. In fact, we've seen both parties do this sort of thing. Most, yeah. I think most famously when, you know, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee wouldn't even hold a hearing on President Obama's Supreme Court nominee. I mean, and so this is a, a well, bipartisan I, I sort a of thing between between uh, Supreme Court nominees uh, and and again, the you know federal district court nominees also, sure. which, again, federal district court is. Is, it's the trial court for the uh, the federal court system, uh, I, I, so yeah. it's not typically it's not a, it's not an ideological political post. Not to say that that doesn't play in, and not to say that you know district judges become appellate judges who become Supreme sure. Court judges. Um, 
But but I think yeah I I agree I agree with you there but but I mean I think the idea that if the blue slips aren't returned you don't even get an up or down vote on that nominee and I think that's sort of the same principle is force force the Senate to actually come down and make a statement as opposed to you know that that's what the blue slip you know that's what the blue slip right. and so so anyway that that's kind of my thinking on that and again it's just kind of a sign of you know so many other things we've seen this kind of i think regrettable uh polarization there but uh, you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna weigh in here on uh, i'm gonna lay some Edmund burke on you um because we both are, are big on that sort of uh, traditional, uh, you know, government in many ways, government by tradition is is in some ways government better than government by by a, a hard and fast rule, because tradition can kind of bend a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, absolutely. It, it's sort of it's sort of a a uh, uh, you know basing it really on the facts, and we can kind of uh, it, it's so and a tradition can also evolve and change a, a, a little bit. Um, so in the one respect, I, I'm with you. I hate to see what had been just sort of a traditional working of of how we could do this and here's somebody and maybe you've got some concerns while well, you go to the other center you talk it over uh you work it out um uh that's that's a shame to to lose that um but on the other hand when you've got a system which is uh improperly holding up a lot of uh, nominees and these folks ought to be entitled to a vote. There's something also that's maybe a little bit uh, more than a little bit undemocratic uh, and and letting one senator have a say. No, that's an excellent point. In fact, I I hadn't really considered it that way, but we've seen exactly the same thing with filibusters. I mean, they used to be incredibly, not incredibly rare, but they used to be really pretty rare. And so it was not a big deal really, but once we saw them used as an everyday type of weapon by the minority, whoever, the, whatever party the minority was, then it became a real problem. So you're right. These traditions only kind of, I think, work well when everyone sort of has an understanding over what kind of the basic understood unwritten rules of the game are and when exactly. what you're doing. Is, yeah. And that, that's a huge, yeah, Burkean thing. It's the yeah, unwritten rules. Absolutely. And if, if those unwritten rules change, then the traditions that sort of, uh, you know, were used in that, you know, regimen no longer work. And I think that's what we've, we've got here. I think that that's a really good point. In fact, I think that's a good point to end on. So I don't know. I thought that was, I, I, I've enjoyed it, but you're right. It's, it's interesting because when you don't have everything pulled up right in front of you, you have to sort of, uh, you know, like what, well, what state is Amy Klobuchar from? And actually I believe it's Minnesota. It's you know, one of those states up North um, <laughs> there, but anyway, I, I enjoyed doing it. Jay, I hope you did. Yeah, it was fun. And so, uh, uh, folks, uh, our supporters, thank you again for your support. And let us know what, what you thought about this. You're not to get in touch with us. You know, it's mail at politicalguys.com. And uh, we'll keep on doing this until you say, oh, God, no, please stop. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pull my support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. All right. Well, anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks.